So, should we talk about James? Should we talk about him? We're about, we're about to it. Um, James chapter 5, if you need a Bible, um, there's a couple in the back. Um, I might be able to get Donovan and Chase. Could you guys help me out real quick, grab Bibles? And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Um, and we're going to turn to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. And, man, the last few weeks, if you guys, whoop, if you guys have not been here, um, James has been, the last couple of weeks in particular, those have been some of the toughest passages to teach from, both from my personal perspective, but also to teach them to you guys and, and to learn together. Because James is not, he does not cut any corners and he does not sugarcoat stuff, right? And as I've looked at today, today is a good day. Today is, could seemingly be something like, oh yeah, I got this. But man, as we unpack what really James is saying, I believe that we're all going to be challenged in what, um, in what he says. How many of you guys love to wait? Oh, man, it's such the greatest thing. Like, you go to the doctor's office, right? And you're like, you get there 15 minutes early. You got a 3 o'clock, you're there at 2.45. You get the paperwork filled out. 3 o'clock comes, no, no one calls your name. You're like, really? 3.15, you're still sitting there. Now you're like, okay, I'm going to break down. I'm going to open up this, you know, magazine, you know, Good Housekeeping. Let's take a seat. Let's, let's, let's look at it and see what happens. You're looking at magazines you never really would. You're like daydreaming. You're checking your phone. All these things are happening, and it's 3.30. You're still, your name has still not been called. Frustrating, right? How many of you guys love just sitting in the drive-thru, like just for, you know, days, just waiting for your order? You know, seemingly, seems like days. It's like, really? And you wait so long. You're like, let's say, what would be too long to, this is an interesting study. Let's, what's too long to wait for your fast food? Like, five minutes too long? Ten? Ten minutes is too long? All right, so ten minutes. So you wait ten minutes. He drops the bag off. You get it, and there's no ketchup and no straw, and you already got off into the highway. You're like, really? Especially, like, on a road trip. It's really bad because you're, like, never going to be there again. So, like, even calling them and complaining, you're like, yeah, well, come on back. We'll give you your fries. No, I'm not coming back. I'm going. So waiting is so, so um, just hideous, right? And it all comes down to patience. Patience. So today, we're going to start off with patience. And I think we're going to think about patience a little differently by the end of this message. If you guys listen, um, I believe that every single one of us is going to be challenged to take a next step with Jesus today. So um, before we read chapter 5, starting in verse 7, um, what I want to do is I want to be able to just pray and ask God to be here and change us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're going to um, open up your word here in a second. Lord, we're going to start reading, and Lord, your word is living and active, and it changes us. Lord, I pray right now that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be clear, whatever struggle we walked in with, whatever wall we, we had up, whatever barrier it seems to be between you and us, Lord God, we pray that we would operate under an open heaven right now, God, that your word would speak directly to your children, and that, Lord, that you would speak directly to each and every one of us in the exact way that we need to hear it. Because, God, you're a personal God, and you want to speak that next step. You're not hiding it. You're not trying to, to, to shield it from us. But, Lord, the next step sometimes is so obvious. Help us to take it. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at James chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. And I'm going to stop right there. Be patient. That's, this is great. Count it all joy, all of your suffering, and now he's telling us to be patient. And we all know we don't want to be patient. 
This is a special weekend, and I think that there's actually a good way for us to understand patience a little bit differently. Um, do you guys know what weekend this is? Yesterday was a holiday. Do you know what holiday it was? Veterans Day. Yeah. And, and a lot of times we think about Veterans Day and this holiday as one thing, but in reality, it might be very, very different. And so I was talking to a friend of mine, Jordan Mitchell. Many of you know him. He's our 5K race director. He um, is a veteran, and he has something to say about Veterans Day that I think really helps us in the, in the area of patience. So check this out. So Veterans Day weekend, pretty exciting. Uh, I know you guys are all driving around. You see the flags. People get real patriotic around this time of year. Uh, there's Applebee's has a discount, I think, 10%. Uh, Starbucks, mattress store, every single mattress store has a discount going on right now. Every single one of them. And what's crazy about it is I'm pretty sure that the people giving the discount and the people buying the mattresses, more times than not, are not even veterans. So it's really interesting how our society has kind of treated Veterans Day. I think most of us know that we have Veterans Day to uh, say thank you for the service of veterans that we know and that we love. But Veterans Day, as a veteran myself, I want to say that it's about something actually a little different. A quick story of mine is I was stationed in Korea in 2010, and at that time we were at a tank lighting where um, they were putting Christmas lights on a tank. That was our version of celebrating the holidays. And as we were waiting for that to happen, that little ceremony, um, North Korea actually bombed a South Korean island. They sent over 200 plus rounds of artillery um, and killed some people. And uh, the news got about half the story right. But more importantly, um, at that point, we knew that we were going to war. Now, North Korea and South Korea has been in a ceasefire, as in the news, I'm sure most of you have, who have been paying attention would understand North Korea is doing a lot of stuff. Well, they've always been doing stuff. And so at that moment, we knew we were going to go fight. Uh, we get to the border. They bring me and my platoon and uh, a whole company up there. And we're sitting on a berm and we're staring across this ravine. It's filled with uh, some water, mud, barbed wire. And we're pointing our weapons over the other side. And we know that there's other people over there. We know that there's North Koreans pointing their weapons back at us. The problem was is we had no ammunition. Zero ammo. And that zero ammo that we had uh, made every single second that we sat there a little bit harder. You need to have a little bit more patience to know that you actually can't do anything. Well, the reason why we didn't have ammo is because most people didn't know that North Korea and South Korea were still in such tensions. You didn't know it. I didn't know it and I was there. I didn't know it until I saw it firsthand. And I think a lot of times that those different events that happen aren't realized. Veterans Day brings light to that. Not necessarily the events, but the experience that that veteran carries. When you say thank you for your service, you're saying thank you for the patience that you had sitting on that berm, holding a gun without ammunition, potentially going to lose your life. That's what Veterans Day is about. But it's also about something else. The patients held by the families that are back home. See, when I was, I had Adrena, um, in the first two years of her life, I was only around for like five to seven months of it. It was, I didn't get to raise her. She, Amanda did, my wife. 
And imagine how hard that is for a wife knowing her husband is overseas or doing training or doing whatever it is that he's doing that the military requires of you. And you, and you have to raise a child on your own. You have to feed them, bathe them. That's difficult. So the patience that we're honoring, those experiences that we're saying thank you for, don't live with just the veterans. They live with the families, the friends, the loved ones. Here at Second Place, we don't have very many veterans. This isn't a community riddled with them. And I'm not asking for you to even tell me thank you. The reality is, is that everyone in here should look at themselves and realize what have they lost or gained from the actions of a veteran and the patience required from them and their families. And that's what Veterans Day is about. It's not about the discounts. It's not about a new mattress. It's about reflecting. It's not about politics. It's about what these men and women and their families have sacrificed so we can sit here today and honor that and have our freedoms to believe in God, to put him first above all else. That is the purpose of Veterans Day, God and then country. In the Pledge of Allegiance, it says one nation under God, indivisible. And that is what Veterans Day is about. Just curious, do we have anybody that was in the military, is in the military, or is going to be in the military? If you do this, just raise your hand real quick. Anybody? We've had several in each service. Awesome. Well, man, take a second to think about that when you think about veterans, that patience is a big part of it. And James is talking about being patient. Let's keep going in this passage. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So we see here, if you were here last week, if you weren't, I'll help you catch up a little bit. James has been kind of like, in the early part of chapter 5, he's kind of went off on the rich. And he was like, man, this is, you need to be careful about where you're setting your goals. If you set your goals as all financial goals and all about success, you'd be better be careful about how you define success because you might get to the end of your life and realize that the target that you had was wrong all along. And be careful. Be humble. Find a way to share your faith and to take what God's blessed you with and to share it with others, but also to do good with it. And so that's kind of where he's at. But now he's actually going after those of us that are restless, those of us that feel like, man, God's not moving fast enough, that maybe we're in a time of waiting. Think about your relationship with God. I mean, some of you may not believe in God this morning, which is totally fine, but if you have a relationship with God, think about that relationship and whether or not, kind of like what season you're in. Are you in a season of waiting on something? Are you in a, waiting for the next step? Are you waiting for some big thing to happen, for graduation or a job promotion or what it might be? I don't know, but are you in a season of waiting? I mean, maybe you're in a season of suffering. Maybe you're in a season of a challenge or a struggle that you're faced with. And, and James um, is going to talk about that particular piece in a second. But he's saying right now, hey, be patient as you're looking towards Christ coming back. That you need to be patient just like a farmer. And then he says, don't grumble against each other. You see, it doesn't do any good to complain. I mean, if you think about it, guys... 
gals, it doesn't matter. When you complain, it seems like no one listens, right? But the farmers, no matter how much they complain, they can't make it rain any faster. They can't change the calendar and make the calendar go faster. They are at the, the, um, the whim of the weather. They're at the whim of the calendar. There's nothing that they can. And so don't grumble, but as you're waiting, that you should be patient. And I thought about farming, and I thought about this, this idea and this um, metaphor, which is great, that there's this, this seemingly like a patience that a farmer has, that this, we're going to watch that crop grow. We're going to wait for the harvest time, and we're going to be able to not complain in the meantime because it doesn't do any good. So let's keep going um, as you think about this. Let's keep going with what he continues to say in verse 10. He says, brothers and sisters, he uses that phrase again, as an example of patience, in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So he says now we're kind of changing things a little bit from waiting to suffering to challenges to trials. And he's talked a lot about this throughout the book. And James is saying, hey, look, you need to look at the prophets because they had perseverance. You need to look at these guys because these guys are held up as blessed and as model examples of how to have patience in the midst of suffering. And then he points out Job specifically. And if you know the story of Job, he has, he's a very well-to-do guy, has a bunch of stuff, and then God allows Satan to test him and he loses everything. He loses his family. He loses all of his riches. He loses all of his livestock. He loses everything. And then God, after that trial, God brings everything back and does a little God math. And in in Job chapter 42, if you don't know how it ends, this is how his story ends. It says, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep. 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. And so as you look at this, this is God math, and God's working in Job's life was not exactly how he's going to always deliver his compassion and mercy. But James is saying, look at Job's life. He lost everything, and then he got everything back double in some, in twice as much as he had before. And so it doesn't always work that way for us. It doesn't always, but what we need to realize is that Job's story is something that James is pointing to to say there's something about what Job did. There's something about how his mindset and how he thought, what his faith looked like that was very, very instructive to what we should be doing. Um, you think about James uh, chapter 1, verse 3. He, if you remember back when that, that, uh, topic in that week that we talked about this, it says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And this word perseverance is very important because Job is highlighted by James to say, now look, you have heard of Job's patience. That's not what it says. It says, look back at it. It says, you have heard of Job's perseverance. And James, for some reason, makes a distinction. And there are two different words used here. There's patience and there's perseverance, and they're two different words in the Greek. And that is very interesting because he doesn't say, consider for a second Job's patience. He said, consider for a second Job's perseverance. 
And how many of you guys know that Job is like this, he's held up as this model guy, like, hey man, this guy, he was patient. Like, give me the patience of Job. Or we, we have all kinds of phrases for patience, right? I'm all out of patience. I don't have any more patience for this. It's like this commodity that we have a lot of or a little of, and somehow it runs out. And then at some point, we just give up because we're done. But here's the thing. I want to say that maybe Job was patient, and I, I would say that, you know, that's a good thought. Like, you hold him up as a model for that, but not 100%. I mean, the guy was human. You realize that I think what we really, the, where I personally connect with Job's story more than his patience is his impatience. I mean, have you thought about Job's impatience? The fact that he was over the trial very early on. Like, he was done. Like, he didn't want those boils. He didn't want to be, like, ridiculed by his friends. Speaking of, if you feel like you're in a, a zone where you're like, man, God has left me alone. I am in this trial of my life. I don't know where he's at. I feel like I'm not worthy. He doesn't hear my prayers anymore. If you're in a season like that, let me tell you what you need to do. Because I've been there more times than I want to say is you got to listen. you got to be careful about who you listen to. Job's friends, man, they were very religious. They were very legalistic. They were like, hey, Job, just curse the Lord and die. And they would hold up all these things, all the things that he did wrong, and all the things that he did wrong that, that were basically saying, you know, God is the one that's right. You're the one that's wrong. Curse God and die. And if he would have listened, his story would have been very, very different. And so will yours, depending on who you listen to in that season. So be careful about who you listen to in that season. But Job has a perseverance. He locked it in, and he was not, he was strengthened by it. Colossians 1.11 refers to this type of perseverance that actually Paul says we should have. It says that we should be strengthened, listen to these words, with all power according to God's glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Two different things. That you should have endurance and patience. Now the light might go on for some of us here in a second because Job was persistent while he was impatient. And some of us, me included, what we do, human nature, is that when we're impatient and things aren't going the way that we want or fast enough, what we do is we equate that with giving up. I'm done waiting, I'm making this decision, I'm over it, let's go. And I'm not sure that that's an equation that we want. We don't want to equal those two things because there is a difference between patience and persistence, patience and perseverance, patience and, and, and being able to hold on. <clears throat> now, how do I know and how do you know that Job was impatient? Because he said he was. Check it out. This is what he said in Job chapter 10, verse 3. He says, Does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the plans of the wicked? How about this? He says in, in 19, he says, Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. And then Job 21. Is my complaint directed to a human being? Why should I not be impatient? I have all the right in the world, God. Now, did everything that Job say in, in, in his book, did everything that was recorded about his story, is it all accurate? It's accurate. It's what was said, but it may not be truthful. There are things here that's like, you know what? Even though God was allowing this to happen, God did not change throughout this process. 
even though this all happened, and he was complaining, and there's a lot of things that his friends say that you better be careful how you read the book of Job because you could feel really bad about yourself by the end of that book. But you have to understand that there is a human element here, that Job was a man. He was imperfect, and he was impatient with God. He was ready for the trial to be over. He wanted to move on, but for some reason, God allowed this testing to happen. But what he did not do is he ran out of patience, but he did not run out of endurance. He did not run out of perseverance and persistence. He stayed in the game, and he kept going. This is the difference, guys. For some of you, you got impatient and you made a bad decision. For some of us, we're impatient. We're at the point in that, that season of our life when we're about to say, I'm giving up. I'm just forget about it. I'm not even just giving up. And what God is telling you today is he's saying, you don't need to equate those two things. God is okay with you being impatient because he's with you in that and he will be your God through it just like he was with Job. Let's keep going. James 5, verse um, 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. James is echoing his older brother from Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, where Jesus said, all you need to say is a sim- simply yes or no. Anything beyond that, beyond this, comes from the evil one. So he's saying, hey, real faith in God creates real action. Orthodoxy creates orthopraxy, but it also creates right talking. That when you say, this is what I'm going to do, then this is what you're going to do. And when you say, this is not what you're going to do, and there doesn't need to be any more than that. So this is good for us to ask these questions to say, okay, what does my language look like? How am I speaking? How am I holding up my end of the bargain? But I want to just stop here for a second and kind of round out this, this passage. We're done for the, the passage in James, chapter or verse 12 is the end for today. But I want to come back to the farming part because I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't grow up downtown, but I grew up kind of in the suburbs, you know, suburbia. And I've all, I'm going to just, guilty confession, I'm just going to tell you that I've always thought that farmers like had it easy. I mean, think about it. Like what you got to do is you get a bunch of seeds, you plant them, and then after you plant them, you wait like four months, maybe longer, and you're like eating bonbons watching like Mori Povich and Oprah or whatever, and then you're like, oh, it looks like the corn's good, and you go out and you fire up the tractor, you harvest it, and you bring it, you know, and then it shows up in, you know, Jewel, Mariano's, Kroger, and I'm like, let's go. How many of you guys know that I'm way off? I thought about the fact that I was probably a little off on what I thought about farmers, so I called the farmer. And I'm like, I need to call a farmer. I need to talk to this guy. And his name is Aaron Keeney. And I've met him through Ann Scherzak, who attends here. That's him right after we hung up the phone in his tractor out there harvesting, okay? And I had, I, I literally, I said, I got to come clean, dude. And I know him well enough that he wasn't, I mean, this is the guy you want farming your land, right? This guy looks like a farmer. He's ready to go. So um, I'm going to get that goatee um, just working at, pushing it out, man. But Hopefully not that gray, but anyway, Aaron, you're good. So he, so he and I talked, and I said, I got to come clean, man. Here's what I think of farmers, and I told him what I just told you. And he laughed at me. He's like, let me tell you what it's really like. And I got an earful for the next 20 minutes. And basically, you got to think about all the things that are happening while he's farming the land. Before you even plant the seed, you're, you're making sure and repairing all of your machinery from 
the winter to make sure that you're ready to go when you're ready to plant, that those, that machinery is working well. It's, it's not broken. You've got all of your seed. You're getting ready to crop. You plant the crop. Not only after you plant the crop, you're, you're now going to be looking at that crop and saying, okay, how is it doing? Is it, is it taking? Is it coming up? And then, the, then he was talking about, like, there's stress on the crop. I'm like, what? And he's like, there's, the corn is stressed? What's happening? He's like, yes, there's like water stress and there could be a drought stress. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't get that. He's like, I'll tell, tell me more. He said, well, the water stress, you can't do a whole lot for that, but the drought stress you can address. He's, I'm like, okay. And he's like, and then, I mean, once you're kind of looking at that, you're kind of watching it grow, you're kind of needing to do several different applications to the crop. You know, you're trying to make sure that it's fertilized, it's growing, that it's doing what it's supposed to do. And then about that time, as you're getting ready to, you know, midsummer, you're trying to, like, make sure that all of your fall equipment is ready to go now, too, because you want to harvest quickly and efficiently. So you're fixing all the equipment, you're fixing the tractors, you're making sure everything's good to go, and then you're finally there, and you're like, okay, do I, do I take the corn now? What are the, what are the futures look like? How much, how much am I able to get? Is this a good time to, to harvest? Is it, should I wait? Should I, should I go and get the beans now? I guess you can... Harvest beans are like, there's like a window that you want to do, and then like corn is like whenever, I guess, from what he says. And I, I'm like, wow. So basically, what he's telling me and what he's telling you is that a farmer is patient, but while he is waiting for the rain and to harvest, he's doing stuff. And some of us, what we have done is we're like, oh, you know what? God's got me in this holding pattern. I'm in this waiting season. I don't really know what my next step is. So I'm just going to kick it back and, you know, I don't know, maybe go to church when I feel like it. Maybe pray a little bit here and there. But, you know, there's going to be a time when, like, God's going to show up and there's going to be a sign on the wall, handwriting, and I'll be like, yeah, that's what I got to do. And we get lazy. If you think James, in this passage, is saying, hey, look at the farmer. Look how patient he is waiting for the rain. Just don't do anything right now. Just be. You haven't read the rest of the book. The whole book is about get out there and do something. I think the Jerusalem church was saying, was talking a big talk. Let your yes be your yes. Let your no be your no. And he's like, stop just saying it. Put it into action. I think the Jerusalem church was pretty lazy. They knew what to say, but they didn't do a whole lot with it. And I believe what James is saying is he's, this metaphor is way deeper, guys, than what you even think. That's level one. You know what? It's not about being patient doing nothing. It's about being patient and getting something done while you're waiting. Some of you have more time on your hands right now than you ever will for the rest of your life. Think about it. Now is when you have time to do something, to do stuff. So when you think about that, um, maybe you're not the farmer. What if you're the crop? Let's just spin that metaphor for a second and say, hey, look at the farmer and how he's patient. He patiently waits for the crop to grow. You know, so many times in Scripture, our soul is, is kind of a third person, and we're often referred to as, as um, a plant, as a tree, a vine and branches, right? That, there's, that we are organic, that there is something about our soul that grows, and maybe, our, our, we're, maybe we're the crop, or maybe we're both. Maybe we're the farmer, and we're to cultivate our soul all of our life. The thing that we're taking with us when we go 
into eternity. Maybe that's what we're supposed to, doing, supposed to be doing, but what we're doing is we're focused on everything else, and we're supposed to be like God saying, focus on the crop. How is your soul growing? And so instead of, you guys, are you guys getting this? Like this is like, not only are you not supposed to do, like you're not supposed to chill out when you're waiting, but you're supposed to do something, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to cultivate your faith while you're waiting because God has you there for a reason developing perseverance. All right, you guys aren't getting this, right? So you, so start the slides. So some of you are lazy, but what you need to do is you need to pray. You need to just lock that down. Some of you need to fast. Some of you need to like say, I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to, I need to be quiet. I talk too much. I need to be quiet or I need some time alone. I need to do that. Maybe in the time of waiting, I need to spend less. Maybe I need to spend more. Maybe I need to give. Maybe I need to um, give something up. Maybe I need, during this time of waiting, I need to serve. Sign up. Let's get you going. Maybe you need to serve. Maybe some of you need to get up earlier because you're sleeping in too much. Or maybe some of you are so tired, you need to get up later. Or maybe you need to read a book. Like, I know, students, I get it. Maybe you need to listen to it because reading's over. Or maybe you just need to write a book. Like, just write a book. Some of you are supposed to write a book while you're waiting. Some of you need to change jobs. Some of you need to get a job. All right? Like you're lazy. Get a job. Some of you need to laugh more. Some of you need to laugh less because you're a goofball and no one takes you seriously. Like some of you need to make a friend right now. Some of you need to be a friend, right? Some of you need to do this type of stuff. I don't have any friends. Some of you need to exercise more because you're lazy. Some of you need to exercise less because it's become an obsession. Some of you need to just eat better. Some of you need to eat less. That's not me. Oh, no, I like food. I want to eat more. That's what I feel God calling me to. Maybe some of you need to, like, maybe you need to make a call. Maybe you need to make that phone call. Maybe you need to set a goal. Like, set a goal. Would you have a goal? I don't know. Maybe you need to think more. You need to think more about what you're doing. No, some of you are overanalyzing stuff. You need to think less. Like, stop. Or maybe you need to take a risk. Man, step out in boldness somehow. All of us just need to get after it. 30 things, 30 things. I don't know what, this is what makes my view and my lens I look at from here really hard because I don't know what you're supposed to do. I don't know. You're the one that is living your faith out with God every day. And whatever it is that you're supposed to do, that's what I prayed at the beginning. I want you to be able to do the work and to say, okay, God, 30 things, pick one and do it. I'm going to go and eat more. I'm going to eat more. That's mine. I got that. So you can't take that one. But what can you do in this time when you are in a season of waiting, a season of challenge, suffering? God has you there for a reason. Why? Because James chapter 1 says that the testing of your faith creates perseverance, and perseverance creates maturity. He's trying to grow you. All along, James has been pointing in the same direction. So a couple of things as we wrap. I've got to wrap up. Number one, action steps. I ask you, are you in a time of waiting? Guess what? We all are. All of you should have raised your hand. The reason is because we're all waiting patiently for Jesus to return. Here's an action step. Write down what you can do while you wait. Um, You need to realize, here's another action step, that patience and persistence are two different things. They're not the same. So accept the impatience that you might have and focus on not giving up. Getting up in the morning and saying, I know I don't feel it. And this is actually a, a phrase that I didn't say earlier that I want you to get into your head, if not your notes. And that's this. 
Feelings do not fuel and do not sustain momentum. Discipline does. Feelings do not fuel momentum. Discipline does. Probably out of those 30 things, I'd say probably half of them at least were actual disciplines. Prayer, fasting, being quiet, solitude, being alone, um, all of those things were disciplines. Some are disciplines of abstinence. Some are disciplines of action. Guys, this is what I'm saying. Your feelings need to be, you need to be, hey, I feel like I'm done. Great. But are you done believing? Absolutely not. Third thing is this. Um, Consider yourself more like the crop than the farmer, or maybe consider yourself as both. And then your action step is write down what you can do to grow. If you don't have a soul growth plan, what are you doing? What am I doing? Am I thinking about how I'm going to grow my soul in 2018? I got a great opportunity for all of us. In two weeks, we're going to start something called 30 Days to Jesus First. You start on November 26th. Guess what day you end on? Christmas. And we're going to do 30 Days to Jesus First as our Advent. And we're going to be resourcing and equipping you to keep Jesus first during the toughest time of year when we are seeing everything commercialized around us. So I hope that you sign up to be a part of that. But that's going to be something you do during the week. And then you're going to be able to get after it that way. A couple of questions, and the band can come up right now. A couple of questions I'm going to leave you with as we go to sing. One is this. How does God want to redeem my time while I am in a season of waiting? We're all waiting. So the question is, how does God want to redeem my time while in that season? Second, where do I need to separate my patience and my focus on persistence? And third, is how will I line up my words with my walk and my walk with my words? Each of those questions address a particular section of the text we read today. And I believe if you work those out this week, your life is going to change. But we have to be disciplined to do it. Discipline is what's going to keep the momentum in your life, in your faith. Has this been helpful for anyone? That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, your people, we admit, Lord God, that your word spoke to us today. Lord, that James wrote down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, words that resonate 2,000 years later. And God, I pray right now that as we sing these songs, that our, our words that we sing, the lyrics that we sing, would be true of us. God, there's, in this first song, there's a phrase that says that I stand with my arms up high. Lord, I pray that we would think about what we're saying. And maybe, God, that as we and as I experience this music, that I would be careful not to sing words that are not true. And so, God, I make a commitment that I'm not going to sing that line that says, with my arms lifted high, if my arms aren't. 
I want my yes to be my yes, God, and my no to be my no. And so, Lord, as we sing, Lord, I know that there are people here today, including myself, that need to take a next step. And, Lord, you're speaking to us right now. Some of us need to get baptized. We put it off too long. Some of us need to get up earlier to pray. Some of us need to make a, reconcile, a reconciled call to someone and make uh, build a bridge back to someone. Some of us need to find um, a quiet spot this week to be alone with you, to really figure out what's going on. Lord, I know that there are next steps that are flying through this room. Lord God, I pray that you would land those into our hearts specifically today as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 13, um, a psalm of David when he was impatient. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. That's two-thirds of the chapter. It's a vent, right? But there's a last third. David, the impatient one who wrote what he just wrote, wrote this. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Man, second place, can you write a psalm like that? Can you vent in your time with God? Can you take two-thirds of it and just vent about how impatient you are with him? But can you take the last third and lock in your faith and say, but he has been good, and I will rejoice in his salvation, and I will not give up. As you go, Heavenly Father, let's, Lord, as we think about this, Lord, it's so human, Lord God, it's so nature of us. It's just like, it's right there, and James is in our business, God, and I believe, Lord God, that you're wanting us to move. You're wanting us to change because of it. Lord, we need to see our lives in a different way, and Lord, you've opened our eyes today. Lord, I pray as we go that we would be light in dark places. Lord God, that we would be, maybe we're impatient, maybe we've run out, but God, we're not giving up and we're not giving in and we're gonna ask God that you, you embolden us with faith, Lord God, that is stronger now than it was an hour ago. That's gonna be stronger two hours, two days from now than it is right now. God, that you're taking us into a, a, a growth season, Lord God. That's what we're in. You're wanting to grow us it doesn't matter about the numbers. It matters about our hearts and our souls. Lord God, you want us to grow and help us to remember that the seasons of waiting, the seasons of suffering and testing and trials are all about maturity and helping us persevere. Lord, we give our lives to you. We love you, God. Bring us back again soon. In Jesus' name we pray.